Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Our guest today is Kay Cowling, CEO of Cowling Advisory Services and an advisor to many organizations on different solutions, including staffing. Kay, I am so excited to be talking with you today. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm equally excited to talk to you. You're truly a foremost thought leader uh, across the country in healthcare innovation and specifically nursing. So thank you for having me. Oh, Jeepers, you're way too kind. And Kay, you and I have had multiple conversations. And even though you're not a nurse, you're an honorary nurse because you're such a good advocate. Can you give us a little sense about your background and, and what it is that you do? Sure, Bonnie. Thanks. And I, I've been told I have the soul of a nurse, and I take that as a huge compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually started my career early in the 90s in the staffing arena in finance and accounting and found uh, after almost 10 years in, in 2000, I had been asked to go into leading nurse staffing companies three times. And I realized that someone was trying to tell me something and it was where I was supposed to be. So in 2002, I jumped into leading a a uh, healthcare staffing company based in the southeast that had five offices in five states and and really learned by you know baptism on the job uh, how much I really didn't know uh, about healthcare and, and specifically about nursing and had the wonderful opportunity over the next 20 years up to now to participate in uh, helping organizations and their staffing solutions in not only the hospital setting but occupational hospice home health uh, in a variety of different settings, uh, and I really consider that an honor and and truly uh, have the utmost respect for the nursing profession, which I, along with others, as it is the most respected uh, you know occupation in the country. So today, I have a more of a flexible lifestyle. I do take care of an aging mother uh, and have made family also a priority, but I love advising and sitting on boards and working with leaders on how to not only recruit the talent they need, but also to retain and have the peak performance uh, for engagement in the workplace. Well, awesome, because this you you have exactly the right background for us to be having a conversation which today is, I don't think you could have a more sensitive, provocative, compelling topic for a current event, particularly because, you know, health care, we're, we're at a pivotal time, and you're an incredibly innovative and creative person. You have such an amazingly deep background. You're a nurse advocate. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing from your vantage point that's going on in kind of the staffing world right now, particularly as it pertains to nurse staffing? Well, there's a, a crisis of the moment kind of a um, atmosphere, and it's, it's, it's not good for anybody, uh, not the institutions that are providing care, not for the nurse, and certainly not for the patient. And so we really are going to have to wake up and, and kind of smell the roses and find a way to come up with, an you know, what I'm going to call an intelligent mix 
of a staffing model that can be sustainable. Uh, and also to learn how to respect and listen to the nurses that are on the job. And I am talking about nurses, but this is not exclusively about nurses. It just happens to be the majority of my experience. Um, but we've, we've lost some of the ability to slow down and listen uh, and, and really address what folks need on the job versus just throwing bodies uh, to make sure we hit ratios and don't have to divert patients to other facilities. So it is a, it's a, it's a tough time. There's a lot of burnout out there, Bonnie, as you very well know. Um, you know, there's nurses who are feeling burned out in the, in the hospital setting. And so they're going to telehealth or they're going to case management or they're going to hospice. And, and I have my daughter-in-law who's a nurse switched during COVID from being in an acute care setting in a hospital float pool where because of no elective surgeries, she wasn't receiving work to becoming a hospice admissions nurse. After one year, she found the, the hospice organization she went to had poor leadership. So she listened to a 25% better offer with a better schedule and she moved on. And, and that organization was left scratching their head, not understanding why she left. So it's a multifaceted problem. Yeah, I completely agree with you that it's multifaceted. And in my conversations as well with nurse leaders, there's a whole lot of, you know, I don't want to say blame, but there's a whole lot of stuff to go around here, right? We do have nurses that are completely burned out in our having mental health issues for the obvious reasons related to the pandemic. So that's that's a legitimate concern. It, it seems as though we are having kind of a, a crisis in nursing and a crisis of nursing leadership at the same time. Oh, I couldn't agree more. There's too many nurses that were promoted into leadership without really good leadership or management training. And so they find themselves in a, in a tough spot without the tools necessary to really know how to manage or lead. And, and that's, a, that's a really tough position to be in. I have a lot of empathy for them. And that is one of the reasons, as, as I know, we're going to get into, you know, kind of the, the whole temporary staffing and travel type situation, there are organizations out there that the reason they're using as many travelers as they are is because they really don't have the right leadership in place to know how to retain what they've got or really be good at scheduling and uh, really, you know, managing to the compliance of some of their own scheduling rules. You know, let's, let's just unpack that one a little bit. I had a conversation the other day with the CNO who said exactly this. We've had an electronic scheduling tool in place for three years. We just did an upgrade. And she said, I asked for a bunch of reports because we did an upgrade, right? Maybe it was a dumb time to do it kind of in the middle of the pandemic, but we were ready. We needed to do it. And she said she's shocked because all of the rules that they have agreed upon as a leadership team and put in place, it was very sloppy. They didn't have enough people working weekends and a lot of people work in the same kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It seems silly and trite, yet important all at the same time that we still have to go back to the basics and make sure that our schedules are put in place and managed properly so that we don't continue to shoot ourselves in the foot unnecessarily. You're absolutely right. I have a client that I worked with for a year in 19 and 20 uh, who 
wanted help with best practices in, in scheduling and in just your whole philosophy and staffing model. And I brought in an expert in, in terms of the, the true best in class scheduling. And what we found was that they were, that the, you know, um, let's see, how can I say this right? But the staff was running the organization, right? So the staff would say, I want to work here. I want to work then. I want to work this. I want to work that. And leadership was going, okay, okay. And so it wasn't, here's what's best for our patients, and here's what our, our census looks like, and here are the trends, and here's what we need. And you can pick from what we need, certainly, but that's really not what was happening. It, it truly was uh, an organization that was just run by the whim of the individual need. Well, and there are ways, we're pretty sophisticated with this today, right? There are ways to do it that are mutually beneficial. It isn't an either or, it's not you win or we win. It has to be done with the perspective of we should all benefit. And at the end of the day, we need to make sure the patients are properly cared for. Right. I'm really impressed with organizations that are getting creative in how to do, you know, shifts that aren't just 12 hours or necessarily, you know, the, the traditional 12 hour shift. They're looking at, can I split those in half? Can I keep a uh, you know, a, a worker who needs less hours or needs a flexible schedule who might leave otherwise mm -hmm. yep. to get that flexible schedule. I really admire the leaders who are uh, looking for creative ways to do things differently. Well, and I think that, you know, you're spot on. Today requires us to be as creative and innovative as we can possibly be to retain our staff. And, you know, you you've worked in this space for a very long time. And as we've looked at data in this space, you know, while for many years we like to say in nursing, there's a shortage, there's a shortage. In fact, we continued up until this past year, we continued to get data that said there really might not be a shortage, but there is a redistribution problem because some regions have thousands, in some cases, tens of thousands of more nurses in a particular state. Uh, or metropolitan area than other states or metropolitan areas around the country that would have fewer. So there's there is a glaring redistribution, you know, issue. The problem is that this isn't like making mufflers. You can't just send you know two thousand more mufflers to Chicago or you know five thousand more mufflers to New York. That's not the way it works. These are people. These are people's lives. So it's much more complicated than that. How do you think? the recent pandemic has impacted how we're going to manage or move the pieces around on the chessboard with shortage and new shortage. Well, it's interesting. The I love what you just said a second ago with the distribution. And that's what the travel nursing industry was born from, right? The reason that a travel nursing was was founded many years ago was really because there was a need for a redistribution of skills and to really lock in certain skills for a period of time so that you knew that you could get through whether it was a seasonality or a flu season, you know, whether it was a, a you know, winter season or it was a flu season, uh, you needed to lock in that, for example, only ICU nurse for, you know, three months. And by the way, that three month was born because it was a convenient way that you knew you could get housing uh, for a certain period of time 
uh, where you could get an apartment lease or you could lock in certain rates in housing if you if you guaranteed at least three months. So it's crazy how certain industries are born out of need, but then they're not necessarily changed along the way. And Bonnie, you and I talked about how there's a very unsustainable uh, bill rate being paid by hospitals now out of that crisis management I referred to earlier, where we're seeing nurses taking uh, contracts for $120 an hour and bill rates of upwards from 200. And that is certainly not sustainable. And we've really got to find that intelligent mix. I'm going to go back to a phrase I used earlier that says, all right, what percentage of your staff do you want to be full-time? You know, how are you going to have a better operating float pool that really allows for some flexibility for nurses that want that? And then how are you really going to be in tune with that nurse on what they do need, what they need in terms of professional development to stay with your organization for a longer term in their career, what they need from a family standpoint and a scheduling? And then, yes, there's always going to be a need for some variable labor, i.e. that's going to come at the end of the day, probably to 10% of that staffing model from in an ideal situation from a travel nurse type company. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because for so many years, we were kind of on a downward trend of really trying to reduce the utilization of travelers and organizations across the country were building their supplemental staffing, their internal float pools, their PRN staff, whatever you want to call them. And now here we are and we, we, no one has enough, right? And the issue is there still are roughly the same number of nurses. Of course, we have had nurses get out of the workforce. We have had retirement. So there is a, a reduction there. But generally, it feels like we're seeing a rather unsustainable increase in travel rates, which is then precipitating local nurses within organizations leaving their organizations to go for the travel rates, which then creates a local shortage because then hospital A raises their rates or bonuses and pulls nurses from hospital B and hospital B pulls nurses from hospital C. And it really just impacts a metro or, you know, a a city, a state in a pretty negative way. How do we start to get ourselves out of this really dangerous spiral that it feels like we're in? Yeah, I, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, we were, you and I were on a, a different call about a week ago where somebody said, uh, well, you know, the hospitals are paying it. And until the hospitals quit paying so much, you know, it's going to be hard to ratchet that back down. But that that's really, we're going to need to find a little more steady state. Uh you know, these spikes with COVID uh, are, are creating just such huge demand. And it's, you know, you're in Texas where the hospitals are full and we're hearing the same from other states, Florida, what, Alabama, Mississippi, et cetera, and just, you know, turn on the news. And everybody's at a at kind of a peak census and we're not even really in peak season yet. So we're really going to have to see, I believe, some normalcy, a little bit more of a kind of normal census rate in hospitals so that they can begin to, you know, kind of take a breath and start to be a little more planful and strategic. Uh, and until things calm down just a bit, it's going to be really hard to turn that to turn that corner. So if you look at this in an inverse way, that would be how do I retain the staff that I have so that I don't lose those 
that are committed to the organization and that I want to be committed back to. How, what are you seeing as some of the best practices in the retention space? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I'm doing some work for a client right now on internal mobility models, right? And this particular company doesn't want to build it. They serve as a a, a recruiting process outsourcing firm to hospitals nationwide, and they're looking for channel partners. And I sat in on a couple of different calls outside of the healthcare industry with really neat technology-enabled ways for employees to put in kind of their desires for their career, for positions to be modeled for what skills they need, for those to be matched and posted and really make sure that the workforce is aware of what a position is, what skills are needed, and how they can get those skills to then stay within an organization. And healthcare's behind. That's a surprise, right, Bonnie? That healthcare as an industry tends to be behind a lot of times. And this is an area where- It makes us bang our heads, doesn't it? (laughs) It does, it does. But, you know, we're seeing innovation in some engagement tools. I know you're very involved with an organization that does a great job with engagement. So we're seeing some neat engagement tools. And those are super. And we need to continue those where nurses can see the feedback from a patient or a peer or a supervisor. And I believe a place where we need to lean in more is how to really help with that internal mobility within a system or an organization so that that healthcare staff sees how they can go on, if not a ladder, but at least a career lattice within the organization, and, and it really facilitates them doing so. So that's that's one answer I think is really going to help us is for, and that's something that your your contract labor, your travel nursing, which you know is a is a wonderful value add, uh, but they don't, that's that's not their role, right? Their role is to give just in time help for the peak times that it's needed. It really is up to the the larger employer, the full-time employer to find ways to truly engage their team, to uh, truly have their voice be heard, uh, which is something interesting. I saw an article this morning, Bonnie, that I, I shared on LinkedIn because I thought it was so good in terms of talking about you know, technology in the supply chain, just things like documenting meds and others that need to be more technology uh, enabled. And it talked about having a nurse's voice at the table for this and making sure that, you know, absolutely that these decisions are not made over in the IT department, not to take anything away from IT, but at the end of the day, if you're not going to listen to the voice of the provider and the voice of the nurse, do you expect them to be engaged and to stay when you don't listen or give them recognition for their Well, ideas? and that's why, Kay, this feels like this is really a, about a lot more than just money, right? It feels to me like nurses are pissed. They're frustrated. Things are not going well. They are working their butts off. It's been relentless. They're not getting a break for a variety of reasons. And some of those reasons, let's be honest, Poor choices made by the general public impact nurses, physicians, and other healthcare professionals. So nurses are tired. And for them, I think the way this is sort of manifesting at this point is, hey, we are valuable. We are worth more. We, we, need, we need more, right? And now we're seeing these rates. The momentum is swinging up, not down. But what's the danger in this? Well, the danger in this is that we're, you know, there's so many different th- answers to that question. You know, one is certainly we shrink our workforce, right? We're shrinking our workforce because nurses are getting out of nursing. And that is scary to me. And then, you know, secondly, 
it's it's ironic, isn't it, that the hospitals couldn't afford to pay nurses more, but they're now paying travel nursing companies 200 plus an hour because they have to. So why don't we pull that back and start paying your staff nurse more? Yes. And guess what? She won't leave. That's exactly (laughs) right. And that's what a lot of nurses are saying. Like, hey, bud, instead of paying them, you know, at an 190, 200 bill rate, give us five, eight, ten dollars an hour pay increase. Now, in some cases, I'll grant it, this is wacky talk. It sounds nuts. But there might be places that it makes sense because you're already spending a whole lot of money on travelers. Absolutely. So if you could retain those staff, then you're going to see them stay. I see this as a blessing and a curse. I see it as short-term bad that we have commoditized nursing because like all commodities, they are market sensitive and the price generally, generally we will see um, a fall after an increase, which I believe is probably the same thing we're going to see here. What I think is much more smart is what you described. And that is at a much more measured, thoughtful way, let's increase nursing salaries. And in order to get that, you need to work in our organization and stay there and do a good job. And then you will get a good, a better salary. Well, you remember the days when a nurse would be, you know, scholarshiped, right? And, you know, you, you do your preceptor, you do your clinicals at X hospital and we'll give you a sign-on bonus and you'll have to pay it back if you leave within a year or two years, depending on the situation. Well, we now see what, where, where was it? I saw a $40,000, was it South Dakota? $40,000 sign-on bonus. And, and yet why aren't we doing that as a retention bonus, right? So we're going to increase your salary by five or ten dollars an hour and yes if you leave within you know a year uh, there will be some sort of penalty that's 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 not unreasonable i don't think it's unreasonable at all i'm also seeing some very creative things out there whereas um cnos god love them right they're incredibly creative and i'm seeing some neat things like if you pick up an extra day a pay period with your fte we'll give you a certain bonus over a 12 week period seeing things that can you know they can go into a 12 week period a 24 week period seeing people being offered um retention bonuses if you stay and don't leave so i think that there's a variety of solutions none of them are cheap none of them still don't fix some of the basic issues that nurses have had for a very long time they're people. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel valued. You know, we we do spend a lot of time really talking about um, the meaningful work that they do and how to engage them around what's so important to them, right? Their craft, nursing. So I think there are a lot of opportunities to really dig in and figure out how do we invest in these amazing humans so that they do want to stay. It doesn't all have to be financially driven, but today this is where we are. It is where we are. And sometimes it's recognizing that they need more time off, right? Uh, so I'll work this extra time, but but how about giving me two extra days off I can look forward to, you know, something like that. So there's, and yes, there's a cost to that too, but yeah. And, and sometimes it's truly just slowing down and having a conversation uh, and, and, and recognizing that your folks really need that, that they need some of the same nurturing they give out every day to their patients. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, so I'm sure I'll, I'll get my emails shared with me. 
I think we need to look at our staffing models. We still staff the way we did for the last 30 years. So I think we need to look at how it is we do this, right? There is technology that can help us. There are team-based models that are incredibly successful. We worked for many years to mitigate and reduce the involvement and impact that LVNs had. I think they're an important part of the team and we've sort of relegated them to not very helpful roles. And yeah, no, exactly. there's an That's opportunity great. for that. So I think we can bring those back and really redesign how it is we provide patient care. Well, and utilize technology. I serve on a board of a uh, speech recognition company that helps with documentation on the post-acute arena, right? And it cuts that nurse's documentation down by 30 to 50%. So they don't have to go home and document. Absolutely. So, you know, let's utilize the technology that's out there to make the job easier. No, totally, totally agree. I, I think, you know, you and I have compared notes a lot on technology. There are all kinds of things from assistive robots that will go fetch you the supplies that you need to, uh, you know, natural language processing that will actually help you write your notes and do your assessments. There is VR that speeds up the time it takes to actually educate and prepare or orient nurses. So we are ripe for technology. And of course, that takes money as well. So I think we're really going to have to figure out what are the priorities, but how do we create a sustainable path for going forward? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity that comes out of tough times, and I, I think we're going to see that. And and we, you know, you're right. This is gonna this is gonna change. The healthcare is not going to go back to the way it was pre-COVID. No, it's sure not. And some of that is good, and some of that is probably not good. Yeah. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I. I, we need we need every one of our healthcare workers to hang in there and help us with the solutions and be Absolutely. a voice at the table. Well, and if you're listening and you're a healthcare professional, please, please, you know, talk to your leadership, hang in there, share your ideas. You know, we really want to empower you to be a part of the solution because you're incredible. You're doing the hard job. You're out there in the trenches doing the tough work. So hang in there. And if you have ideas, let us know how we can help you with those ideas. Absolutely. And and thank you for what you do. And, you know, I, to those of you that are not a clinician that may be listening in, I, I don't know about you, but I, I thank I thank the nurses and the support staff that works in the senior care that I see almost every day when I when I go to see my mom or, or visit with her. And certainly those that are in hospital settings, they need to know that they're appreciated more than than they have been in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, Kay, this is a great place for us to put a pin in it for today. And this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you for stimulating my brain, making me think, um, giving us some really great perspective and vantage point on what you see in the staffing and in the um, human capital world right now. I've really enjoyed my time with you. Oh, thank you for having me, Bonnie. I enjoyed it too. And thank you for being with us today on the Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Kay's contact information and to learn more about her work. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics for guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others, 
in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.